Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Speed Force Media. My name is Derek. My name's Eleanor. And today we are talking about House of the Dragon, the new Game of Thrones spinoff series on HBO. We will be going into heavy spoilers into the episode. We're not going to break down every single scene by any means, but we'll also be referencing some spoilers in Game of Thrones, specifically the pilot episode of Game of Thrones. I'm going to be making some comparisons. And basically, we're just having an open conversation about it. The things we liked, the things we didn't like, things that worked for us, uh, some excitement that we have, potential theories or um, predictions. And yeah, we're going to get into all of that. So if you have not seen the episode, please click away. And if you have seen the episode, let us know what you thought about it in the comments below. We'd love to hear the different opinions because Game of Thrones much like season eight, is very divisive nowadays. It was, for the longest time, the most popular running show on TV that basically if you didn't watch it, you're crazy, and if you didn't like it, you were crazy. And now I feel like if you still watch it or are still a fan of it, you're crazy. And I got to be honest, just right from the get-go, I was one of the weird people that actually really liked season eight of Game of Thrones. I thought it definitely felt rushed. There were things that were not solved. There were things left unfinished. And some of the, you know, endings, like for Bran, for instance, was very underwhelming. But I don't think it ruined all eight seasons of the show for me. So Game of Thrones is one of my favorite shows of all time. It's easily one of the most successful shows of all time. We'll get into how many Emmy nominations and all that stuff. But House of the Dragon has a lot to live up to. It's and anyone looking for solace from me, I also liked season eight. So sorry, but you don't, <laughs> you don't have me on that one. I actually probably liked it more than you did because I felt like the pacing was actually better for me. It didn't feel like, oh, we're spending an entire season walking to King's Landing. Like, okay, we're getting some shit done. Like, in an episode, we went from Winterfell to King's Landing. Let's actually see some shit happen. <laughs> well, hey, you have a different opinion than I do, so now I have to kill you. You know? <laughs> we can't have different opinions here. We all have to say, no, it's garbage. <laughs> and, you know, there were some things that I did think was garbage about it. But most of it I still thought was, you know, a uh, satisfying season to a great TV show. This show, though, House of the Dragon has a lot to live up to in terms of quality, and if it falls on its face, then a lot of that hate from season eight is going to carry over into this show, which it already kind of is. But if it doesn't land on its feet, if it doesn't hit the ball out of the park and get that home run, even just this season, it may not get a second season, and Game of Thrones as a whole will not become a franchise like they're hoping it becomes, right? I don't think it'll ever be anything like Lord of the Rings or Star Wars level, but if this season is great, and if this show is great, then we could see potential more spin-off series. Well, so, even with Lord of the Rings, like the Hobbit movies were really divisive. Not everyone liked the Hobbit movies. A lot of people yeah. actually didn't really like those yeah. movies, and a lot of people were like, it's the original Lord of the Rings movies or die so i mean people got to remember that too that something that they praise so heavily like lord of the rings it's like no eh, there was a lot of critiques when the hobbit movies came out it, it's part of the prequel thing you know and house of the dragon once again is a prequel i did really like how this show opened up uh with the 
basically them telling us, okay, this is 172 years before Daenerys Targaryen, and it sat on that line for a little bit to kind of get an idea. Yeah, this is almost 200 years before Game of Thrones. So nothing is going to be quite the same. We did get to see the Red Keep, which looked great, and we opened up with a dragon, and I thought, you know, I'm already smiling, and we're 30 seconds into this just because we're getting to see a dragon. Well, the dragons are the best part of Game of Thrones, honestly. Even our cat likes watching the dragons, so I mean... Who wouldn't like the dragons? I don't know if it's the best part, but it's definitely one of the best, for sure. You gotta love them. I mean, they're the best. I really like them, because especially they look great in Game of Thrones. They are more of like a wyvern style of dragon. It's not like your four-legged dragons. And that used to bother me in the very beginning, but now I'm like, if they had four legs, it would be weird for me. I think they have four legs. No, they have their two wings and then their two leggies. Oh, really? Yeah, they don't have, like, the four legs and then the wings. Did I? Are you kidding me? Yeah. I never noticed. Mandela effect, I, apparently. Mandela effect. <laughs> I'm telling you, they got six legs. <laughs> yeah, I'm kind of right off the bat, we're immediately introduced to a lot of characters. And that was a hard thing for me when I first got into Game of Thrones. And it is a hard thing for me again with House of the Dragon. Because I'm like, wait, who the fuck is that? I just met them. Who is that? But I'm right. already starting to learn who our main cast is. I'm starting to get a feel of, okay, this so person's overall, what bad. was your thoughts on the episode as a whole? I thought it was a really good episode. Um, I enjoyed it. I thought we had a really good setup. I was like, okay, I can see where we're going with this. I'm definitely interested in seeing where the story goes from there. They did a good job of hooking me in. Um, the only thing is, as as someone who just gave birth. The birthing scene was really horrific. It was tragic. Especially, like, I'm just looking at my baby being like, nothing would ever happen to you. I would never let that happen. (laughs) Yeah, that was really heart-wrenching. But what did you think of the episode? I thought it was uh, pretty similar to the Game of Thrones pilot episode, and I mean that in a good way. Um, There is a lot to introduce, obviously. The like both ep- both episodes, both pilot episodes, uh, they have a lot of cast members to introduce. Uh, we met Damon Targaryen and R- Rhaenyra. I think Rhaenyra. Rhaenyra. Yeah. Um, I'm still getting used to some of the names, obviously the Targaryens specifically. Um, we did get to see the Red Keep and a little bit outside of King's Landing, and we got to see a lot of the skies. And uh, I really liked the introduction to the king, Viserys, and his council, or his uh, his, his court. His hand was awesome. Oh, yeah, I loved Rise of Fans as the Hand of the King. Other than that one little scene, and I think they left it vague and ambiguous for a reason, um, when he sends his daughter, sa- tells his daughter, go put on a nice dress, the one your sister or mother likes, your mother and wore, go yeah. console the king. Make him feel better after his wife and uh, son had died. Very tragically, it was a brutal scene. And I was wondering, like, okay, did did he just sell his daughter for sex? Or or is it just to be a friend? I really hope it's just to be a friend. It kind of seemed that way with how she just went in there with a book. I'm like, okay, this makes me feel a little better. Makes me feel like, okay, she's just going in there. She's going to read a story and console him. And the conversation between them did not transpire to be sexual to me. No. So I was like, thank God that it didn't turn into that. Because there was already quite a bit of 
graphic violence and sexual scenes, which you're, you expect from Game of Thrones. In this first episode, well, I was like, whoa, and we're already at the whorehouse. Hello. Good morning. Like, here we are. <laughs> I would also say, though, it would feel very Game of Thrones-like to have a character like Otto Hightower, who seems like he's a good guy. Seems like he just wants to protect the civilians and have the king's best interest and recognizes that Damon is a threat to the king's best interests, even though it's his own brother. But I would also say that it would kind of makes sense it, it wouldn't surprise me if we find out auto high tower is also the type of person to do whatever it means necessary that he's more like a stannis where he's like right. i in my head i'm doing what's honorable but i'm also willing to do whatever it takes to get that honorable end result right yeah and when stannis burned his daughter alive i was like that is not necessary and it is not gonna have any good come of it well, at and the same we time right. the ice melted he lost a lot of his troops and he himself ended up dying but it gave the lady in red what is her name Masson? no melisandre melisandre yeah the power to be able to resurrect john so where there was death there was life so it you know it kind of made like a little bit of a trade-off in power for her. So although Stannis shouldn't have done it, I'm not condoning that by any means. Uh, and it was a brutal scene. I kind of wouldn't be surprised if Otto Hightower ends up being somebody like that as opposed to someone like Ned Stark. Right. Where it's pretty obvious this king, Viserys, is not long for this world. He kind of reminds me of Baratheon. Uh, of Robert. Uh, Robert? Yes. Like... Um, especially the way he dealt with Damon when they were all together in court and Damon was actually there and they're reprimanding him for his actions against the people, you know, when he went and dismembered everyone, which right. is fucked up. Yeah. And then the king was like, all right, all right, I don't agree with any of you bitches at this table. You're still my brother, but you're not going to do that shit. Otherwise, there will be repercussions. And okay. then basically he said, let's stop talking about it. I want to talk about happy things like celebration for my brother's honor and stuff like that. Like he didn't want to address the important stuff and just wanted to focus on celebrations and parties and stuff like that. So Very in a Robert way, Baratheon to me. right, he is kind of like a distracted king who's distracted by the soft kind of lifestyle and not in the mud and in the thick of it where he's focused on the outside threats. And we heard a little bit about someone, I believe in the North gathering people um, and slaughtering people and that there might be a threat in the North building. Um, I'd be interested to see where in the North, because we did see Rick on Stark um, bow down, give his loyalty to the Rhaenyra. King and the new heir mm -hmm. Rhaenyra. But that was pretty much the only little bit of the North that we saw. Otherwise, this episode strictly stayed in King's Landing. And yeah, that we was didn't the even biggest see Dorn or anything. Right. That was the biggest difference with this pilot episode versus Game of Thrones pilot. Because in Game of Thrones, we saw North of the Wall, we saw Winterfell, I'm pretty sure we saw King's Landing. Uh we met the Lannisters, the Starks, the Tullys. Uh, and, you know, they also had the Vale and Dorne and Highgarden and Pike and Theon Greyjoy there. the White Walkers yeah. and the Wildings and the, the uh, what is it called? The Watchers of the Wall, the Night's Watch. Yeah. And so a lot of different places and a lot of different people 
But in this episode, it really focused on not the conflicts of Westeros, but the conflicts of specifically House Targaryen. And I think that's maybe where it's drawing from Fire and Blood, the novel. And maybe this show is going to be a little bit different where outside families are not going to be as big of a deal in this show. I'm it's kind of just my own prediction. I'm not just I'm not basing that off of anything other than just me watching the episode just kind of making an observation is just that I felt like this show is setting this this episode was setting this show up in a different light for me and that was the biggest difference was that we didn't have that ending where Jamie Lannister says the things we do for love and then he pushes Bran Stark out of the Stark home window in Winterfell, knowing, okay, that's going to be the main conflict, the Lannisters and the Starks. This is just Targaryen and Targaryen, which is not a bad thing. We're going to get into a lot more of the history of this family that, you know, wasn't around much for Game of Thrones other than Jon and Daenerys and the guy in uh, the Night's Watch. I can't remember his Aemon. name. Aemon Targaryen. Thank you. Um, and Viserys for a little bit of Viserys for a little bit till he got his golden crown yeah but what do, what do you think do you think there's a chance we're gonna see more of the Starks or more of the North or maybe even North of the Wall anything I hope like that? so but I don't see that being the focus of the show I see this being more of instead of it being five families or however many families battling all for the throne it's all going to be an inner family conflict and the other families, if anything, are going to be more bearing witness to this or having to pick a side. And I don't see this going really much into the North unless they're trying to get the Northerners to band with them. Um, we did hear a little bit about the prophecy of the White Walkers, which was interesting. That was That cool. was a cool scene. That I was winter like, oh. is coming. We got to hear him yeah. say it. <laughs> I was like, oh, man, dude, like, we know about that. We've heard of that. We've seen that. <laughs> Yeah, that was a really cool part of it. It is a little bit odd to me that, you know, the main story of this is going to be which is going to sit on the Iron Throne. And until Cersei, unless I'm mistaken, they never had a Queen of the Seven Kingdoms, right? I don't know. Like, I I thought it was just King Targaryens until King Robert and then King Joffrey, King Tommen, Queen Cersei. Like, before that, it was the Mad King and then Robert. And before the Mad King, it was all other Targaryen kings, right? So we already kind of know she's never going to sit on the Iron Throne unless they retcon it and say, oh, well, a Lannister ended up destroying the the uh, history book. Either that or maybe she rules as a female king because there is times in history in our real world where, especially in Egypt, like um, Queen Heshepsut, ended up being a king and would dress as a male a lot of the times. So there was also a couple of English kings that were women. And in the MCU, King Valkyrie. Right, exactly. So they so could do something like that. That's a great she point. She could end up being just a female king, and then it wouldn't retcon anything, and you would still have your first technical queen on the throne. That is a way they could uh, get around that. And, you know, maybe this is going to be the question for the entire show, is does she ever actually get on the throne, or does Damon end up killing her in the finale or something? I mean, that's probably years away if this show does get uh, multiple season renewals. But right. it is kind of a... As a question you know it's kind of like when you visit a prequel of anything you know 
okay, Obi-Wan and Vader, for instance, and Kenobi are not going to kill each other. So someone's going to walk away from this fight and the other one's going to limp away, but neither one's going to die. You know what I mean? Like we know that they're going to end up in a certain spot. So it's hard to kind of build tension for something that we kind of know they have a very small window to play in. I think that's why they put it 172 years earlier. So they give themselves a larger window to play in. Whereas if you'd been like, oh, this is 10 years before Daenerys is born, then you have to play with all your old cast members and you have to make it make sense. Right. Like, for instance, you were saying they could pull different houses um, that we've seen before. For instance, like the Greyjoys. It's 172 years before so there's no reason why House Greyjoy couldn't line himself up, themselves up with House Targaryen on one side, whether they choose Daemon Targaryen and maybe Daemon promises, you know, you give me your ships and I'll give you a spot on my council and uh, help me sack the city. And we, you know, maybe that's some way that they bring in a familiar house or uh, maybe we'll see more of houses we've heard of but haven't really gotten a whole lot of, like Mormont or Hightower or, like, Strong. That that was kind of a new one. Um, well, they did mention the Vale, too. So it would be nice to see some familiar faces from the Vale. Right. Well, you know, not familiar faces, but familiar names. Especially because we only heard the name Stark. We haven't heard a single Lannister. Yeah, which was surprising. I know that we're going to see a Lannister. It's just a matter of when. Because they're they're not normally from King's Landing, right? right. They're from uh, Casterly Cap- Rock. Yes. So it's just a matter of time before we see Casterly Rock and Dorne and stuff like that. But like I said, it didn't show us all of that in this beginning episode, which kind of is making me wonder. It's not. I'm not 100% sold on it, but it makes me wonder just how much of those other places are we going to see. Right. But overall, it was an episode I thoroughly enjoyed. It felt great to be back in Westeros and great to see the Red Keep and so many different Targaryens and houses. And I like the conflict that they're setting up. It was a slower episode, but actually had more action than the original Game of Thrones pilot. So it was a good first episode. In fact, maybe even a great first episode. I am biased because I loved pretty much everything Game of Thrones has done. It's not a perfect show. But I can recognize its flaws and say it's barely noticeable compared to how much great television that show's given us. And hopefully, House of the Dragon doesn't have to necessarily live up to that level of excellence. But so far, it's doing a pretty good job of getting me hooked. So overall, 9 out of 10 probably. I mean, it's a good episode. I don't have any major complaints. And I'm very excited to see where it goes next. Eleanor, what, what is your overall thoughts? I would probably give it a 9 out of 10, too. I really enjoyed the episode. Um, Good pacing. Um, They introduced things not too fast, like for Game of Thrones standards, at least. Still kind of hard for me to keep up because there's just so many people. But they did a good job of introducing, like, okay, this is our conflict. These are our main players. So I enjoyed that. Overall, the only things I really had to complain about is it's a little graphic for me at times. But, I mean, I just look away and then look back when it's over. So I'm good. (laughs) But that will do it for us, guys. Let us know what you thought about House of the Dragon in the comments below. And if you're excited to see the next episode or if you're ditching the show because you've not been a fan of Game of Thrones for the last three seasons that they've done, or have you ever even seen the original show and maybe you're checking out this one. If you enjoyed the conversation, please give it a like and please subscribe to the channel as we do post new content seven days a week. 
that will do it. Thank you so much for being here. We truly appreciate your support.